Morena, and welcome to the Dawn Chorus on the Kaka. I am Bernard Hickey. It is Thursday, the 2nd of September. The big news in the last 24 hours is the government has extended a pause on the issuance of new MIQ vouchers. From just a few days, which was uh, about a week ago, MB announced that, to several weeks without any clear end to it. This obviously means that uh, people other than those coming back in emergencies basically can't get new MIQ slots. So that means no migrant workers, no people coming here for tourism, of course, no students. And of course, the million New Zealanders, tens of thousands of whom want to come home, are effectively blocked from doing that. The reason is uh, there are so many cases of covid locally that need that isolation space that the government simply doesn't have space to open it up. And despite um, repeated calls for more uh, MIQ places to be opened up with more hotels, the government has said there simply aren't the facilities that are safe enough, that um, control the airflow well enough, or the staff to manage them. And this is a, a real constraint now on all of our connections with the rest of the world and for those people looking to come home for funerals and weddings and all of those things. Chris Hipkins actually said in a press conference yesterday that uh, there is a new booking system coming, a queuing system, uh, which will select people at random to avoid this crazy, you know, sitting on your computer, pressing the refresh button. Uh, however, he did say that if you were thinking of coming home to New Zealand from Australia or the rest of the world for some sort of summer holiday, for Christmas, he says you shouldn't because the spaces are so precious they need to be left there for those in desperate humanitarian need. You need to come home to be with our friends and family um, in their last days or for funerals and the likes. There's also many people with medical issues or who've lost jobs who've uh, come home. So that's a, a real blow for New Zealanders overseas and for those here who had hoped perhaps to go to visit people overseas for Christmas. Meanwhile, the news that's uh, breaking this morning, Grant Robertson is looking at giving even more cash support for small businesses. A petition set up by the Auckland Chamber of Commerce has tens of thousands of signatures asking for more cash support for the non-wage costs for businesses. Obviously, the wage subsidy is there for two weeks and is being renewed for another two weeks. But um, the resurgence payment, which does give some cash for things like rent, that uh, is not enough, according to the Auckland Chamber of Commerce, and more is required. Grant Robertson has told stuff that he is looking at it. Meanwhile, um, Chris Hipkins also said, just to emphasise the stress on the hospital and MIQ systems, that the Auckland DHB is so stretched that it actually needs 20 nurses to come from outside of Auckland to come in and help out. So there's very little room for any significant worsening of the current Delta outbreak, and it's why there is so much stress and restriction on MIQ places. Also... This is, would sort of be funny, but of course it's a major issue for the Inter-Islander. Uh, a locomotive and a wagon fell off the Inter-Islander ferry yesterday afternoon in Picton Harbour and sank to the bottom of the sea. There's also a poll out from NZ Herald Cantar this morning showing just how strong the... K 
connection to the elimination strategy is with the public, unlike overseas. So this poll showed 46 believed we should stick with elimination no matter what. 39% supported elimination until you get vaccination rates to 70%, which is very similar to the uh, situation being adopted by the states in Australia. But uh, And only 13% said that we should, quote, live with COVID. Now, this shows you how hard the political task will be for the government early next year when it will have to look at dropping the elimination strategy once it's got vaccination rates up to a certain level. We don't know what yet, but a lot of people are looking at over 90%. And then it will have to convince New Zealanders that um, the risks have to be taken. Because as we've seen with the MIQ restrictions, we are effectively closed off from the rest of the world, except for the very toughest uh, and rarest and most painful humanitarian cases. Um, the idea is for people to get, um, for example, seasonal workers in or um, students or tourists that is off the agenda now with our elimination strategy, with the restrictions we have on our emergency care systems, and with the late start that we've had to our vaccination program. It also emphasises um, the importance of getting that vaccination program up over 90% as fast as possible. And Air New Zealand, to that end, um, are announcing uh, today that they are going to make vaccination mandatory for another 4,100 workers. They've already made it mandatory for a bunch of people who are actually on planes and it with very high contact with staff, but another 4,100 workers, which um, the unions aren't thrilled about. And that will be an interesting battle between companies who obviously want to um, mandate uh, no jab, no job. They can't do that um, for people on existing employment contracts. They can write it into new employment contracts. But obviously, um, a really big issue building here, and I'm doing a podcast for the spin-off this week on this issue of whether to make vaccination mandatory for whole groups of workers. Bizarrely, it's not actually mandatory for the healthcare sector at the moment. That will be an issue. Also, watch out. It looks like there's been a government ban on moving building materials, uh, most of them, outside of Auckland in the Level 4, Level 3 um, clash. That is a real problem, uh, say, building material suppliers for those doing building projects elsewhere. And we'll see what happens with that later on today. Also, watch out um, from, for news overnight, uh, which has come on the COVID story. There's a British study showing that one in seven children aged 11 to 17 actually suffered three or more long COVID symptoms in the 15 weeks after their infection. This was a study of 3,000 kids in Britain. And again, it just raises the stakes on uh, when we decide to open up because um, 11 to 17, they are effectively covered by the new uh, vaccination mandates. But it's the kids under 11 that aren't covered. And we're seeing significant numbers of cases in this outbreak in New Zealand where there's nine, nine kids under the age of one who've had COVID. Now, they're not necessarily having to go into hospital, but the risks are there. And certainly you're seeing um, deaths in Fiji and Australia, for example, of um, younger children with COVID who obviously at the moment can't be vaccinated. There's also a US study out overnight showing that um, people with long COVID um, have increased risk of kidney damage, which uh, again um, just raises the stakes uh, for uh, on the issue of long COVID and elimination. 
On the elimination front in Australia, it's all kicking off. Um, you, you recall, of course, that the Labour premiers in Queensland, Western Australia and Victoria had been united against the Scott Morrison and New South Wales approach, which was to open up after 70%. Now, New South Wales has obviously uh, lost control of Delta and is saying that um, it has no choice but to open up once it gets vaccination up to 70%. But Queensland, Western Australia in particular, who don't have outbreaks, are saying, uh, we, don't, we don't buy that. We are sticking with elimination. We're going to have very hard borders with the rest of you. However, um, the big news yesterday is Victoria effectively gave up on its elimination strategy. The um, Premier there, Dan Andrew, who's a Labour Premier, has stuck with elimination all through. There's been multiple lockdowns in Australia and effectively the state is exhausted. And they have also, it appears, they are in the process of losing control of Delta. They had 120 new cases yesterday. Remember with Delta, the um, problem is that the case uh, trackers and tracers effectively become overwhelmed by the large number of close contacts and the sheer infectiousness in, um, in open spaces and certainly beyond the household um, essentially overwhelm any tracking and tracing system. Uh, it's an awful situation. I've got some brothers and sisters-in-law and nephews and nieces and my mum in Australia. Luckily, they're all vaccinated, but um, they are all exhausted with lockdowns. And you can see that the mood in Australia is quite different to here around elimination. We are emotionally connected to it. In Australia, they're exhausted. And in fact, uh, a lot of the big businesses are now also calling for the entire nation to go with the 70% vaccination and then open up strategy. And it's a real clash, a constitutional clash, clash actually. The Auditor General uh, for the federal government is threatening the states with various um, legal action in federal court. Um, remember, Australia is much more of a federation than us, and those uh, local states have a lot more power. So a real battle brewing between Queensland and Western Australia who want to stick with elimination and the rest of the country and many businesses in Australia. Also out overnight, the World Health Organization has identified a new COVID variant. It's called Mu, and uh, it's been responsible for uh, nearly 40% of COVID infections in Colombia and nearly 15% in Ecuador. It turns out um, it has a bunch of mutations that it said indicated, quote, potential properties of immune escape, i.e. Um, it can get past the vaccines. And it's, the early data shows that the vaccines aren't as effective for mu. Um, similar in a way to the beta variant, which was seen in South Africa, but luckily hasn't seemed to migrate too far. We'll have to keep an eye on that one. Delta obviously has changed the game, but... Uh, there will be more. Okay, what else is happening in the world of the global economy? Well, um, this is interesting out of Australia. Australia Post has announced um, an unprecedented three-day pause in pickups from places in New South Wales, uh, ACT and Victoria. So if you're relying on a bunch of parcels to arrive from online Shoppers in um, New South Wales, ACT or Victoria expect some more delays and there's continuing delays in the global shipping and trade system, particularly out of China where those lockdowns in August to control Delta shut down the second largest container port in the world. 
Overseas and economic news, uh, US manufacturers um, saw their output grow faster than expected in August, so that's good news. The PMI uh, showed their index there up to 59.9. Remember, anything over 50 represents rising output. However, there were some jobs figures that were weaker than expected. Private sector payrolls data from a company called ADP found that jobs only rose 374,000. Economists had expected growth of around 613,000. Now, this isn't the major jobs figures. We're going to get those early on Saturday morning, our time, and everyone in financial markets watches this very closely. It's the non-farm payrolls. Currently, um, economists are expecting growth of about 750,000, and it's a crucial one to watch because if it's much stronger than expected, um, that's likely to um, increase the uh, calls for higher interest rates in the United States. If it's much weaker than expected, then interest rates remain on hold, and certainly that's important for the Reserve Bank when it considers whether to hike interest rates here in October and November. Also out of China, um, slightly worrying news on factory production. The Kaishin PMI measure uh, showed factory output fell in August. That's the first contraction of that measure since April 2020, obviously right in the middle of the COVID-19 outbreak there. Um, there was an official PMI uh, figure out yesterday, which still showed factories expanding. But the Kaishin measure is watched quite closely because it's actually a better indicator of what's happening with small and medium-sized companies. And for those monetary policy geeks out there who love a, love a good bit of news, the Bank of England has appointed a replacement for Andy Haldane. You might recall he's the quite unconventional chief economist at the Bank of England. He's the one that ordered the paper which explained how uh, private banks create money. Well, uh, he's leaving, he's retiring after a long time in the job, and he's been replaced by a guy called Hugh Pill, who's a former Goldman Sachs economist and is seen as much more orthodox and much more hawkish. He has proposed limits on the use of quantitative easing, i.e. money printing, and he worked quite closely with a German guy called Ottmar Issing, who is seen as a hawk at the European Central Bank. So a dove at the Bank of England replaced by a hawk. Also overnight in the global economy, OPEC Plus has decided to only dribble out a slight increase in extra oil supply. Um, that's despite calls from uh, Joe Biden to um, significantly increase volumes and try and push prices down from that $70 US per barrel. Uh, he isn't having much luck there. He's, um, he's in the doghouse generally after the debacle in Afghanistan. Uh, also, across the Tasman, keep an eye on Australian GDP. Now, yesterday they came out with numbers showing there was growth in the June quarter of 0.7%. It was actually higher than what economists had expected. Uh, some good news for Australia there. But remember, this is the June quarter. And uh, it's all a bit redundant now because the September quarter has been wracked with the lockdowns in Sydney and Melbourne. Most economists expect to see a fall in September quarter GDP in Australia of around about 3%. And the question will be, do they get another fall in Q4 to turn into an actual double dip recession? Important for us, of course, because Australia and China are our largest trading partners and the economic news from both lately has been quite poor. Um, in my view, it just reinforces the need for caution on the issue of interest rate increases from the Reserve Bank. 
Uh, we'll see. Everyone else seems to think that they're going to pull the trigger on October the 6th uh, when they come out with a statement, and again in November with their last monetary policy statement of the year. We'll see. Uh, things aren't brilliant in the rest of the world. However, um, all the stock markets are up uh, this morning, about 0.5%, um, because there are hopes that the Chinese government will see these weak Chinese factory output figures and go, ah, we need to inject some more stimulus. It's a bizarre situation now where um, stock markets are rallying whenever they get bad economic news, because that means more central bank support, more money printing, lower interest rates, which of course means when interest rates fall, um, stocks are seen as more valuable. And uh, some some interesting tech news to come out from the Wall Street Journal. I have a scoop that Apple is on the verge of adding a blood pressure measurer to the Apple smartwatch and um, also a thermometer to help you with your fertility planning. That would be quite an interesting uh, note to come out of your phone. Uh, you know, your blood pressure is too high and um, you need to start um, uh, getting down with your partner because now's a good time. Um, I wonder if you'd have both messages at the same time. Um, go and do some conception, uh, but um, be careful. Your blood pressure's a bit, a bit high. Okay, just watch out um, elsewhere in the Dawn Chorus today for um, bits and pieces of news, particularly around Bluetooth. It was turned off for two weeks. Again, there is no way we can control Delta with tracking and tracing and QR codes. It's if the health department can't, the Ministry of Health can't handle uh, Bluetooth um, uh, notices. You know what's what's the point really? Um, however, we're still going to continue on with this view that uh, it's going to work. Uh, my view on all of this is that the elimination strategy, of course, we have to stick with until we get over 90% or so um, vaccination, and you'd have to hope we beef up our emergency care departments in the meantime, but at some point we have to um, drop elimination, um, include all sorts of new public health measures, you know, mask wearing in public permanently, very few um, large gatherings of people, a sort of a permanent level two style thing um, to avoid outbreaks and uh, hope like heck that better vaccines come along which stop infections because um, at the moment with these various variants coming through it's too infectious to try and control with elimination uh, unless you do nationwide very hard and immediate lockdowns. And the danger, of course, that even with our MIQ at limited capacity, there are still, you know, upwards of two or three thousand people coming through every fortnight. And you only need one, as we've found out of the Crown Plaza, to get out and you're in complete lockdown. And n n there is this impression a lot of voters in the government have, which is that, uh, you know, we can... We can, uh, you know, we can do this. We can get through the um, elimination. And of course, we have to do that while there is very low vaccination rates, up close to 50% now, but uh, still not nearly enough. Uh, but, you know, at some point we have to open up and um, we can't live with the threat of, um, constant threat of immediate and widespread lockdowns, which in reality means essentially Auckland is shut down for four weeks and um, the humanitarian damage that's being done for all those expats overseas not to mention the ones here missing family and friends and funerals and 
stays in hospices and the like, um, it's just not sustainable. Uh, and that will be a big debate. N- not for now, of course. Everyone jumps on me for my height when I talk about this. But come March, June next year, the Prime Minister is going to have to flip the rhetoric. Um, as Luke Milpas said in a great column over the weekend, do a reverse ferret and um, start to talk about um, why we need to open up. Uh, and watch out for a couple of fun things today. Uh, we've got um, a wonderful bird uh, and uh, some interesting video from China and some interesting uh, longer reads uh, on saliva testing. That's a big issue that's going to brew. We really need that if we're going to uh, open up in any in any way. And uh, also a bit of a scoop out of the Sydney Morning Herald on the issues with migrant abuse in the Australian meatworking sector. I hope you enjoyed. That was the Dawn Chorus. I'm Bernard Hickey for the Kaka. It is Thursday the 2nd of September at 730 